Welcome to Get Over It, the Consciousness Transforming Podcast for Exceptional 21st Century Living. We've got a friend of the show back today, Leonard Perlmuter is back, or we can call him Ram Lev. I think I like that even better. But he's back to talk about his new book, Your Conscience. And this is going to be a very interesting interview, especially for the beginning of the year. For those of you who are looking to shift your energy out of 2020, out of 2021, and create truly what is best for you in 2022. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through the blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Yes, we're going to help you break through the bleak. BS that is holding you back, but you guys know I always ask that question, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. But about me, for my new listeners, intuitive since birth, I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I'm the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, Depressed or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and my services, go to my website, nesmoniquechapman.com, and I invite you to like me on uh, Facebook and follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. If you are struggling or unhappy in any aspect of your life, chances are you made a choice that wasn't tuned into your conscience. All of us have done it. Now, a brilliant new book by Leonard Pearl Muter, and I'm going to call him Ram Lev. Um, it's titled "Your Conscious: The Key to Unlocking." No, the key to unlock limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges. Shows you how to give your conscious sway in your life so that all of your decisions support and guide you to act in your highest good, leading to a life of joy, love, peace both personally and professional success. Leonard is one of the Western world's pioneers in the introduction of meditation into the cultural firmament. Having founded the American Meditation Institute, or AMI, in Averill Park, New York, in 1996, AMI courses are now approved and accredited by the American Medical Association and the American Nurses Association. Leonard also serves as the author and editor of Transformation, the Journal of Meditation as Body Mind Medicine. And you can check him out at his website, and that is AmericanMeditation.org. Again, AmericanMeditation.org. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure now, to be back with you. It, it's better to be with you. I'm so happy. Now, can I call you just Ram or do you want Ram Lev or do you want Leo, Leonard? What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so many choices. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't matter to me. <laughs> okay. As long as we call you. Okay. I get it. Okay. So um, I'm going to call you Ram. Um, what exactly is the conscious as you structure it within your wonderful book? Well, the conscience is one of uh, four functions of the mind that animate the body that bring about consequences. Uh -huh. So we all know what consequence we want to experience in some regard. We want to be happy, right? We want to be healthy. Uh -huh. uh, we want to be secure in every situation. And so then the question becomes, how are we going to get to point B from point A? Do uh -huh. we have a business plan? Do we have a philosophy of life that we've been taught, that we've adopted, that we use? For most of us, the answer is no on all of those fronts, because in school, college, or university, whatever level of education we've had, 
The only thing that we've really been taught to do is to memorize. Uh, we memorize this, we memorize that, we become competent, we can get a job. Uh -huh. End of story. Uh, but really, that's where the story begins, because our life uh, is filled with many challenges and a lot of emotional ups and downs. And the older we get, uh, the more exhausting it is. And uh, the more pain seems to take its toll on us. Uh -huh. So the conscience is one of four functions of the mind that can make a decision. The other three functions of the mind cannot make a decision. Only the conscience can decide what's to be done and what's not to be done, what's to be said and what's not to be said, what's to be thought and what's not to be thought. Now, when I learned that for the first time, it was a game changer. It meant for me that every single thought uh, that has come to me that I have decided whether I were going to think about it or every action that I have taken or every word I have spoken or ever will, uh -huh. any action that I ever will take, they've all been made and will be made by our conscience. That's very empowering to know that even though we're not consciously aware of it, mm, okay. the only decision maker is the conscience. Okay. Well, why is it if the only decision maker is the conscience that we make sometimes very interesting decisions that are not for our highest good? That's true. Because the conscience can make two different kinds of decisions. The okay. first decision is that when the other three functions of the mind, which we will call advisors, when they are loud and pushy and insistent, regardless of whether they're correct or incorrect, but if they're loud and they're pushy and they're insistent, trying to sell their perspective, uh -huh. that noise in the mind disrupts the ability of the conscience to reflect superconscious wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But when there's too much noise in the mind from the ego and the senses clamoring and the unconscious mind insisting, that noise disrupts the ability of the conscience and so the conscience will still make the choice. But in that case, where the mind is so full of noise and insistence from the other advisors, the conscience can only rubber stamp the loudest voice it can hear. And mm. that, Monique, is what gets us into trouble. It's so easy for us to manifest the negative or, you know, what mm -hmm. we perceive as negative. But, you know, when it comes to doing something that's going to really um, uplift us, it's it's like it's almost impossible. So how do why do we go negative so easily? Well, it's our habit. It's okay. our habit. You see, consciousness, our awareness flows through the deepest, widest, most unobstructed channel in the unconscious mind. And um, those channels represent our habits. So if, if we only had a limited amount of time and we wanted to uh, go from one city to another city and we were driving, we would probably take the, uh, the highway rather than take the back roads. Back roads uh, there are many more choices that uh, you have to make turning this way and turning that way. You don't know uh -huh. what the traffic is going to be. It's going to be a lot slower and you don't have that much time. So you take the highway and that's what our awareness, our consciousness does. It takes the highway and these highways, these channels of habits 
in the unconscious mind cause us to think the same things, say the same things, and do the same things day in, day out. Okay, so we have to really shift internally in order to make a shift. Now, you you talked about, you know, consciousness. What are the three other functions of the mind and how do they distract us from paying attention to our consciousness? Or do they? Oh, they do. They sure do. <laughs> not, and, but we have to remember, uh, these functions of the mind are not bad. They're not always wrong. The, sometimes they're very helpful. When we drive an automobile or a truck, we need a healthy ego. We don't want to get rid of the ego. And we have a body. Life is to be enjoyed. So to have a, a, a very rewarding, delicious meal or a fine dessert, that can be a treat. And so there's nothing wrong with that. No reason to be guilt-ridden. Life is to be enjoyed. And some of the habits that we have stored on the hard drive of our mind are very helpful. They're not always wrong, but uh -huh. they're often wrong. They're often wrong. And we're talking about the three other functions of the mind, namely the ego, the senses, and the unconscious. So the ego, let's start with the ego. Now, uh -huh. this advisor, it seems very often is hardwired to the reptilian brain. And what we know about the reptilian portion of our brain is it's all about self-preservation and the fear of annihilation. That means that uh -huh. The ego is constantly afraid of obliteration. Uh -huh. And so it constantly insinuates itself in every deliberation, every deliberation, and is always looking for that which it defines as pleasant and always wants to eliminate that which it defines as unpleasant. Uh -huh. The challenge for us as human beings, from our own personal experience, we already know that which appears as pleasant is not always good for us. That which appears as unpleasant is not always bad for us. So if we let the ego have free reign and we don't train or parent the ego, to sometimes yeah. defer to the superconscious wisdom reflected by the conscience, then we are going to be in a whole lot of pain, which we are. That's the ego. Okay. Often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> okay. Then the senses. You know, we have these wonderful senses that go out into the world to look and to smell and to taste and to listen and to touch. And let's face it, sense gratification can be wonderful and very rewarding, a real aesthetic treat. But the problem with the senses is the senses are very nearsighted. They recognize pleasure, all right, but they don't recognize when pleasure has a back to it and the back is filled with pain. Uh. So, so the, the senses only see the front, not the back, but, okay. but we buy both at one because they're, it's a package. Okay. <laughs> you can't get one without the other. Uh -huh. And so, uh, yes, sometimes sense gratification can be pleasant for a period of time, but when the pain asserts itself, that's no fun at all. Uh-huh. So again, the senses can be correct, but they're often wrong and never in doubt. But they too cannot make a decision. They are only counselors. They're only advisors. And thirdly is the unconscious. That's the repository full for all of our merits and demerits. Everything that we deem essential to self-preservation is in the unconscious mind. Uh -huh. 
and sometimes it's helpful, but a lot of times in the unconscious mind are faulty concepts stored. Some of those concepts we got from our mom, some we got from dad, some we got them from grandma or grandpa or the culture or celebrities or politicians or our third grade teacher. They're not all wrong, but sometimes they're faulty. Mm. Yeah, especially that politician one in the last election well, cycle. But, <laughs> you know, well, you know, people are teaching us one of two things. And we have to know what that is. They are always teaching us either what to do or what not to do. Uh-huh. That's why I tell people that one of my most important teachers has been Elvis Presley. Because when I was 10 years old, I fell in love with Elvis. Uh-huh. I was attracted to his charisma and his, and for me, his wonderful, beautiful voice. Uh-huh. And I gave him a tremendous amount of attention as a young person. And the more attention I gave him, I was able to realize a lot of the choices that he made. And many of the choices that I learned about him making were in conflict with my own inner wisdom, my own super conscious wisdom. Uh And so on some level, on some level, the life of Elvis Presley was lived for me in Uh part to teach me which burners on the stove are hot and which are not so I don't have to burn myself in the process. And I'm grateful for that teaching. Uh-huh. But we want uh-huh. everybody to be like us. Why don't you act like I would act? Why don't you speak as I would speak in that situation? Uh-huh. Well, everybody's living in a separate universe. They have different concepts in their unconscious mind that are challenging them and that are creating obstacles to their own skillful action. They try as best they can. I believe every human being does, but we are limited by the ego, the senses and the unconscious mind. And if we don't take time to begin to experiment with them, to test the wisdom of the conscious and parent the ego senses and unconscious mind to expand their horizon and their panorama. Well, then the blind will continue to lead the blind. That's um, a bit unfortunate. And so how do we get to the point? Well, first of all, before getting to the point, do you have to have any particular belief system in order to trust the information your conscious is giving you? Well, I always suggest that we always remain as a good scientist, always remain as a doubting Thomas. A good scientist is always a doubting Thomas. Uh So, you know, Show, show me the proof. Show me the proof. I'll do the experiment, but let's see what the, let's see what uh, the outcome is. So after we do the experiment, then with a sharp critical eye, we have to ask ourselves the honest questions. How do I feel physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? My answer has always been I have felt better. That Mm. has then motivated me. And I have then motivated my ego senses and unconscious mind to take on another small experiment and see how that makes me feel. And uh, another experiment and see how that makes me feel. Uh And that brings me to today because I've been experimenting my way all the way to this conversation. Yeah, to your living life, yes, via experimenting life. and being conscious. That's right. Not, not allowing the world to 
change you or rule you, but it's like you ruling your world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and so many people are reactionaries. They have reactionary minds, which is uh-huh. such a sad thing. Uh, if somebody offers us poison, for example, we know that we're not obligated to accept it. And yet we do accept it from our own mind, this uh-huh. poison. When I'm aware of anger, for example, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, that anger is poisoning my entire body. And the more that I think about the anger and I profess to anybody that's close by, I am angry. Well, that's impossible. That's an oxymoron. It's impossible for a human being to be an emotion. We can have a relationship with anger. We can have a relationship with anger, but we are not it. And yet we're so identified with the anger. We're so identified with the fear. We think it's us. And that gets us into a lot of trouble. Yes, it does. It seems like there would be a lot of therapists who should... um... It would be beneficial if they would pick up this line of thought. Folks, we're speaking with Leonard Murder. Um, I'm calling him Ram, Ram Lev. Uh, his book is Your Conscious, The Key to Unlock Limitless Wisdom and Creativity and Solve All of Life's Challenges. You can check him out at his website, and that's American meditation.org again that's American meditation.org. Um Ram talk to us about the law of karma and why thoughts are so important to that and then dovetail that into the two different types of thoughts. Sure. Well the law of karma which later became Newton's third law of motion uh is is very profound and it's very helpful and yet it's very simple Uh what it says is thoughts lead to actions and actions lead to consequences thoughts lead to actions and actions lead to consequences Uh and if the truth be known we all share the same consequence of what we're looking for in life. As I mentioned, we want to be happy. We want to be healthy and we want to be secure. And so it is our thoughts that motivate us to speak and act in a physical way that bring about consequences that can lead us in one direction toward the happiness, the health and security that we deeply desire or to another direction we can be led that will delay the prospect of happiness and security and health and the choice is ours that's why the compassionate buddha almost 2000 years ago said all that you are is a reflection of what you have thought that means thoughts are our richest resource it's like gold. It's better than gold. It's, it's our richest resource. It's our creative energy in the world for fulfilling the purpose of our lives, for creating the most beautiful work of art that we have within us. So there are two kinds of thoughts. And the two kinds of thoughts rhyme so we can remember them. They are okay. called, they are called praya. And Shreya, Preya, and Shreya. Uh-huh. Now, the, the Preya is very attractive. It's very comfortable. Uh, it's very comforting. However, even though it brings a passing pleasure, it always leads to some form of pain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. So it's a short term ego or sense gratification that conflicts with our super conscious wisdom reflected by our conscience it conflicts 
It's pleasant, all right, but it's only a passing pleasure. And in its wake, there's plenty of pain. So we don't accept the prayers. We don't repress it either, because if we repress these these kinds of thoughts, the only thing that we're doing is becoming neurotic, and that well, means that we're going to experience even more pain. Right. So that's not acceptable. So you don't want to serve those kinds of thoughts, and you don't want to repress them. The other kind of thought is called Shreya. Shreya is not so comfortable, not so familiar, and not so attractive initially, but it will always, always, always lead us for our highest and greatest good. So, So when our conscience, reflecting our super conscious wisdom, gives the good housekeeping seal of approval of the Shreya. What does it mean? It means that's the thought to think, that's the word to speak, and that's the action to take that will enable us to fulfill the purpose of our lives without pain, without misery, and without bondage. Hmm. And when and when a when a prayer comes into our awareness, we don't want to serve it in mind, action, or speech, because that will bring about pain. We don't want to repress it because we'll become neurotic and we'll be in even more pain. But we're being asked, instead of serving it or repressing it, we're being asked to what? Sacrifice it. Uh-huh. Make it sacred by offering that prayer thought back to the origin from which it came. And what is that origin? There's only one origin of everything. It's the supreme intelligence, regardless of what name you give to it. We call Uh it G-O-D. But we can call it anything. We can call it anything. It's still the same energy, no matter what you call it. That's no matter right. what path. That's right. But in the real in the real moment, if I'm aware of fear or anger or selfish desires that conflict with my inner wisdom, I take that thought, that emotion, that desire, and I offer it back to the origin from which it came, and in the act of offering it and sacrificing it, that will that contractive, debilitating, and poisonous energy will automatically be transformed into a healing energy, an increase in my capacity for willpower, and an increase in my creative capacity. And I can use that healing energy, that willpower, and that creativity which then is stored in an account with my name on it in the unconscious mind, I can use it at any time, at any place, in any circumstance to help me reach my highest and greatest good. Okay. So give us an example of um, the types of problems that can be solved by relying on the conscious and can you give us an example of like an experiment or something that we can try see if we can put it to use absolutely sure okay let me let me mention two things let me first Uh mention the story of a man who actually uh couldn't imagine himself experimenting with the conscience he was so invested in his habit patterns, he could not imagine another way of being. He was so thoroughly identified with all the pain he was experiencing. Uh-huh. So one day this, this man realized that all of a sudden he was gaining quite a bit of weight. And it, it was a, a quandary to him. So he called up his best friend 
and they began having a conversation. And the man who was gaining weight said to his friend, seems to him that the issue really has to do with walking to work. He said, I've been trying to walk to work more often. I don't live that far away from my job. But on my way to work, as I'm walking, I always pass a fabulous bakery. And even before I uh, arrive at the bakery, I can smell the goodies inside, the fresh goodies that are being Mm -hmm. baked. Uh And the next thing that I know when I come to consciousness is I'm walking out of the bakery with a little brown bag of donuts in my hand. Do you have any suggestions on how I can lose weight? (laughs) And his friend thought for a moment and said, well, on the days that you walk to work, why don't you leave your wallet at home? And the man was confused and then uh, a bit angry. And as he recoiled, he yelled at his friend, you mean you want me to steal the donuts? <laughs> oh, See? oh my gosh, this man was so desperate for for a donut uh-huh. that he could not see his way to lose weight. See, it has a means for losing weight. No, He's, his, his response was, you want me to steal the donuts? Well, that means what for you and me? It means that we need to have a desire. Mm -hmm. We need to develop a desire to be free of the pain that we've been experiencing. If we have that desire, we can then repurpose that desire. We can see it as a means to our liberation rather than an obstacle or a stumbling block. Mm, yes, we so, can. So I can I can call a meeting with the ego senses and unconscious mind being their parent who loves them. Ask each of them, should we have the donut? Should we not have the donut? And the ego senses and unconscious mind are probably going to say yes. But it's relatively easy and it's an experiment. It's not forever. I don't have to make a New Year's resolution for the rest of my life to give up donuts. No, it's just an experiment to see how the ego senses the unconscious mind and I feel having given up something like that. Uh-huh. And so I convince the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind to give up maybe not the whole donut. Maybe after a little negotiating, we could only give up a half a donut or a quarter of a donut. Doesn't matter. It's our intention that that is the key, our intention. So even if we wind up just giving up a quarter of a donut, the Uh ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind feel better. And I feel better. They trust me, and I can then work with them increasingly to support the wisdom reflected by the conscious. And that's a game changer, because in the process, we are updating and changing the software of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. If it's we huge. could just, if we could get to that point, uh, our lives would be so different than what they are now. That's right. Well, it's the tr- truth is, the truth is, Monique, we are the architects of our lives. We de- yeah. do, we do determine our destiny. Every choice that we make, every thought, every word, every action. And what's it based on? Is it based on the consensus of the ego senses, unconscious mind, and the conscience? Or is there anarchy in the mind? 
because if there's anarchy and confusion and noise and anger in the mind, there has to be the same outside the mind. And uh -huh. that's what we're seeing in the world today. Yes, we are. And how do we get out of that mass mind consciousness? There's so many people, you know, they're hooked on the news or were hooked on the news, but now they're all depressed, so they're not watching the news. Um, but we still seem to be hooked into that. I mean, the January 6th insurrection, to me, that was mass mind consciousness on a certain level going out to attract a certain energy to do what they did. Well, we are having a special anniversary webinar on January 6th from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's free and it's transformation through experimentation. We're going to have a panel, including myself, of yoga scientists who have been experimenting with their conscience and they're going to share their easy experiments with everybody it's free and afterward it'll be up on youtube and you can take a look at it so what can we do about the current situation we can experiment our way to a new way of being if we have the desire if we really 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 and truly want to be free human beings uh -huh. as opposed to reactionary human beings. Well, it's time to stop being reactionary and be whomever we are meant to be. So can you share a little experiment that we could try right now? Or Sure, sure. Okay. <clears throat> Let's try a 60-second meditation. Okay. It's a, it will be a breath meditation where we will give all of our, our creative energy, all of our attention at the bridge between the two nostrils, where the nostrils meet the upper lip. Uh -huh. So we'll sit wherever we're seated now in the chair, making certain that the head, neck, and trunk are straight. And if you're comfortable, close the eyes and bring your attention to the bridge between the two nostrils and simply be aware of the inhalation and be aware of the exhalation the inhalation and the exhalation full one-pointed tension on the breath for 60 seconds but let me just add one other thing it's the habit of the mind to be distracted so as we do this breath awareness meditation on the where the breath comes into the nostrils as we do that it's very possible that the mind is going to want to change the channel and that's not a problem in fact distracting thoughts are part of meditation it's not about having no thoughts it's learning how to direct the traffic uh -huh. So we know that we want to bring our attention to the bridge between the two nostrils, attending to each inhalation and exhalation. So if there's a distracting thought or image, or even a sound that comes into our awareness, honor it, witness it, and then sacrifice it back to the origin from which it came, and then bring the mind lovingly back to the breath at the bridge between the two nostrils. And we'll do that process for one minute, 60 okay. seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. Good. Starting now.
and gently open your eyes. Hmm. How did that? Wow, that, that was wonderful. It was interesting because I could, um, I was conscious of the energy going, you know, the breath going in, the air coming out. Um, okay, and, and initially, I, you know, I had a couple of thoughts, and I, I, I always see colors when I meditate. So there's a whole bunch of colors, but that even faded to black as I was concentrating, and I just kind of just let go, and I just noticed my whole body, the tenseness just relaxed. Wow. So and and we just invested sixty seconds. Everybody has sixty seconds. Seconds, yeah. That's all you need. And it doesn't even matter whether you're in a big business meeting or you're at home, anywhere, anytime, any place, you can do that. You can find a, a, a chair to sit on, or even if you're standing in a group, if you just bring your awareness and things are a little tense, just bring your awareness even for a couple of seconds at the bridge between the two nostrils. It will calm you down. And when the mind calms down like that, the mind is more agreeable to experimenting with the conscience. Okay. Um, I want to ask something. I don't remember reading it in the book or, or seeing anything about this on our question sheet. So if you don't want to answer, it's okay. But what are your thoughts on... Uh, drugs and the conscious, like marijuana is legal in a lot of places. Now there are a lot of people using it for recreation and or health benefits. What are your thoughts on using an, a drug to reach a spiritual, in quotes, um, place? Well, in this regard, any kind of reliance on anything outside of us is problematic because it continues to feed our addiction to trusting going out. Then if we are depending on an outside source yes. or substance, then that is just not living our authentic self? That's right. It increases the sense of lack that I have already developed. And okay. that makes me dependent on things outside. That's number one. Number two, with drugs, I am altering my consciousness. And uh -huh. I cannot focus as well in that regard. So there's two factors with, uh, with drug therapy. One is the dependence to something outside of me, which makes me weak uh -huh. and dependent uh -huh. on outside sources. And the second is, it changes my consciousness. And that's even for prescription drugs that, you know, you get from the doctor, because they can be more harmful, I think, sometimes. Yeah. And That's right. That's right. Mm. And so for, for some people, just doing breathing practices can be very helpful. And the uh -huh. meditation can wait. Uh, okay. And, 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 the more, and the more, my experience is that... Uh, the vast, vast majority of uh, diseases is caused by lifestyle choices. So the more that we experiment with our conscience, the dis-ease that has created the disease that motivated the doctors to prescribe something will no longer be needed. Okay. So if we make the lifestyle choice and it's not an optimal lifestyle choice for us, we get the medication from the doctor, don't we all at some point, if we are on earth long enough, develop something that is going to take us out? Well, the body, is is, the body is subject to uh, change, death, decay, and decomposition. Okay. The body has yeah. a birth and the body has a death. But uh -huh. even though I have a body, I am not the body. And so that begs the question, doesn't it, Monique? Who am I? Yeah. From where have I come? Why am I here? What's to be done? What's not to be done? And where will I go when the body is no more? Isn't that kind of the underpin underpinning of everything, though? I mean, discovering who we are and why we came here in the first place That's to right. understand where we're going after? 
That's right. That's right. Uh, that's why we have rear view mirrors in the audience. <laughs> yes, it is. That is why. Okay, you talk about um, one pointed attention. What does that mean? It means directing our awareness at one object to the exclusion of everything else. And that happens virtually automatically for every human being in certain kinds of situations that we love. So let me ask you this question, Monique. Now I'm going to ask a specific word, so I want you to respond to that. Okay. What is it that you love? Oh God, the first thing that came out was me. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's an mm, interesting ego. What is it that I love? I love life. I, I love living. You know, I I love the nature. So I, mm -hmm. what do you what do you love to do? Sit outside in the calm under a tree. Okay. Now, why do you love that? You love that experience, and that kind of experience many people share, but many other people have different kinds of experiences, like eating an ice cream cone, or playing a round of golf, or uh, reading a fantastic book. But in all of those shared experiences that we say, I love that, what happens? Well, automatically, the energy of the mind is automatically focused on only one object to the exclusion of everything else. Uh -huh. And what reflects into our awareness in those experiences is the bliss and fullness of our essential nature, pure consciousness the nature of consciousness itself is bliss and fullness. Uh -huh. And the ego, that which separates me from my essential nature, proclaims in that experience, oh, it's sitting under the tree in, 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 the, in the morning that make that made you happy. Oh, it's the book uh -huh. that made you happy. Oh, it's that fantastic movie that made you happy. Oh, it's uh, that wonderful food that made you happy. Okay. Well, there's no object and there's no relationship in the material world that has any power to make us happy and blissful. But when the energy of the mind can be focused down to a point, uh -huh. we experience the fullness of our essential nature. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you'd asked me that question, say, 10 years ago, and, um, you know, the question, what do you love? And the first thing that I said was me, it wouldn't have been me. Mm -hmm. It would have been, you know, something external of me. And it took me almost 70 years to figure out that I do love me and how to love me. So is that coming from the ego? That I'm loving I myself? Say, I would say that's coming from an expanded ego, uh -huh. an expanded ego reflecting super conscious wisdom because you have matured to understand more than most people what love really is. In, in our culture, love is really a legal contract. When we oh. fall in love with somebody, for example, what's the first thing we do? Oh, we get a little piece of paper and a pen. Uh -huh. and we create a little caricature of that person. So we never forget what they look like when I fell in love with them. And every time I have another relationship with that same person, I always pull out that little caricature to make sure that they still look the same. But if they act in a different way ever, that's in opposition to that little caricature that I hold so dear. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm going to be very angry because I will consider that they broke their contract, which means I don't love you anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But okay, for well. Monique to love herself, 
is a very mature comment, you see. Uh And for example, I don't eat food that the 14 year old personality known as Leonard loved. I don't eat that Uh food anymore that that boy loved. I Uh eat food now that loves me. Uh I like Monique can love myself by eating food that loves me. Yes. (laughs) And you reach a certain point in your life, folks, where that does happen if you um, remain open and are aware. Um, Ram, our time is almost up. What words of wisdom would you like to share with the audience? And you can talk about what's coming up on your website and classes and whatever. Well, the first thing I want to remind people is that every thought is only a suggestion. It is not an imperial command. Every thought that comes into your awareness is only a suggestion. It's not a command. And only the conscience will know for sure what's to be done with that thought, whether it's to be served through speech and action, or it's to be sacrificed to be transformed into healing energy, willpower, and an increase in our creativity. Every thought is only a suggestion. I love that because it resonates so, so true. Well, Ram, thank you for being our guest um, today as we collectively get over it. And to the audience, thank you for joining us. I truly appreciate everyone's time and attention. And please remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of expanding, learning about, embracing your conscious. Abundant blessings, light, love to all. Agape.